0: Thanks, Dad, so much. One day, I was playing with my Legos, and I realized Legos are kind of like a relationship with God. I love building with Legos. I build all kinds of things, spaceships, cars, rockets, houses. Sometimes I build random things just so I can take them apart one of the things i love about legos is that anything is possible when you use them as they are intended it is the same with us god intended us to be in relationship with him and when we see that anything is possible in this life with my legos if i start taking them apart and snapping my guys in half i can build something crazy and maybe even cool. As long as I understand how Legos work, I can build anything. Let's read Leviticus 26, 12. I will walk among you, I will be your God, and you will be my people. In this verse, we see that God has given us two building blocks. When they are used as they are intended, they will begin to help us see that God has a picture of what he wants our lives to look like. The first block is seeing that he is God. The second block is saying we are his. When you put those together, you can see the design for your life that God intended to build. And it is awesome. Everything is awesome. No, I'm just kidding. All right, let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your word and for the fact that you have a plan for our lives. Amen. Our
1: dream.
2: That is awesome stuff right there. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, I got to finish this uh, tweet here real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, sent. All right. Good stuff. Well, hey, and I'm so excited. Thank you, Braden, for sharing that. Love you, dude. I love your heart, and I love your passion for Jesus, man. It's so awesome just hearing him just dream and talk and just brainstorm as we've been talking about what he feels like God's put on his heart. It's just so much fun just having a blast doing that, and um, it's good stuff. So, All right. Go and like my Instagram picture. Okay. All right. Well, hey, so we're going to jump into a, a new series here for the next couple of weeks. Um, we're going to uh, be here for the next, uh, so this week and two more weeks after that, and then we've got Easter after that. Can you guys believe that Easter's right around the corner? I mean, it's like here, it's present, spring is here, um, it's going to be great. We've got another reason to eat chocolate and all kinds of good stuff, so excited about that good stuff, whatever. We're all trying to get over our Easter weight, right? Or our, our winter weight. And so we don't need Easter weight on top of that. But uh, So we've got that. And then um, after that, we're going to go through a sermon series um, Pastor Fred and I are going to do together. Um, and it's just going to be a, a sermon series on excess. And so I'm really excited about that. We'll spend a few weeks doing that. And then after that, uh, we're going to jump into uh, First Peter. And we're just going to walk through First Peter um, a little bit and take some time just exploring uh, that incredible scripture there. So that's kind of where we're going to be going. Uh, probably Throughout the summer, and so just wanted to give you a heads up on that. Um, but I'm excited about this sermon um, this morning, and um, the one, uh, the the next couple that are going to be coming up as we talk about this. This is one of those ones that uh, the other day I just uh, on Monday I just felt like I needed to take some time, and I, I have my normal routines of what I do to kind of just relax and rest Monday is my day off and so I kind of relax and rest and I've got my routines the kids are at school Michelle's at work and so it's kind of awesome um, just to have your own space for a few minutes she doesn't get that and she's angry about it but it's okay and uh, so, <laughs> so you know I was just kind of I felt like that some of the routines I had developed and some of the the patterns that I had let define that day had kind of gotten off kilter and so I refocused that day on Monday and as I was doing that I just felt like God was speaking to me about some things and um, so I had this idea for sermon. I was like, "Man, this could be a great idea, or this could be a really bad one." So I emailed the team and was just like, "Hey, what do you guys think?" And they're just like, "Yeah, I think you should do this." And I was like, "Awesome, let's go for it." And so, um, so we all either missed it, right, or um, this is going to be something that God has for us. And so, which I believe it is. So it's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. So here's kind of where this came from: is, is as I was processing the last sermon series that we've been in, which is "The New Is Here." Uh, which is this idea, and in, in, that we see in First Corinthians that. That God has made us new, that we're we're a new creation because of Jesus Christ, that that it's not something that we have to wait for, that once we surrender our lives to Christ and we say, I I am a follower of Jesus, that it's not that one day, maybe possibly, that we're going to be saved, or maybe one day, possibly, God will do something in us, but that right now, in that moment, that we say, yes, Jesus, that he makes us new, and that he continues to make us new. And that as he's making us new, it's not just on our power and it's not on what we did, but it's on the power of his Holy Spirit. It's the same power that he used to speak creation into existence. It's that power that he uses to speak the newness, the, the life and the hope into our own lives. And that is where God has us. And so as I was thinking about that, and, and that changes the way we live our lives. It changes the way we look at things. It changes our perspective On our circumstances and situations, from what does this mean? To no, it's new. I I get a chance to either see the new that God's done in me. And we took a week and we talked about how there's things that sometimes that happen in our lives, and 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 we we respond differently to it. We act differently to it, and then we just go, "Wow, wait a minute! I used to two years ago. Here's what I would have done, you know." And, And then you see yourself in a whole new place, and you can see the new that God's doing you, the new person that He's making you to be. Then you can also, too, you see circumstances and you see, why is this happening? This shouldn't be happening. But it could be a new opportunity to discover God's grace. It could be a new opportunity to love somebody in a way that they need to hear and to see God's goodness. It could be a new opportunity for you to step in something that's going to develop your character. And so the new is here. It it changes everything for us. It changes the way that we Walk out our lives and we live our lives, and so we took some time to do that. And so I was processing that and just thinking about it, and and I started thinking about the church at large, the capital C church, you know, the the global church. And I started thinking about that, and I started thinking about the American church, and 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 I, I, there's a lot of trends, there's a lot of things that you see on Facebook and just a lot of things that are present and and, in the news and and different places. There's this article that continually re pops up on CNN um, at the beginning of Lent every single year for the past three years, and I hate it. because it downplays Jesus, and it's written by a, a pastor, and it just, it, it just angers me. But, but again, it's, just this, it's, it's this mindset of that everything's normal, that, that as followers of Christ, that, there's, that, that we're trying to fit into what the world has instead of being okay with being set apart as God's children. And just kind of this, this sense of downplaying, the sense of saying, yeah, I know that's a little crazy, but, you know, whatever, you know, it's, it's okay. Let's, let's go hang out. Let's go do something. And we kind of just downplay the realities of our faith. We downplay the life that God has for us and the power that he's called us to walk out in and, and the principles and the values that he's called us to stand on. I, I look at my own life, and I see things in my own life where I just say, you know what? That's separate. That's, that's different than what I see in Scripture. When, when I read Scripture, or when I'm up here preaching, there's things in me, oh, I want to do that, and oh, I want to see that, but then something happens, and it kind of just it downplays the magnitude of God in my life, and it kind of makes me feel normal or do normal, and it kind of makes me elevate things that shouldn't have been elevated, and it downplays the things that should be elevated. And so when I look at that and then I look at us as a church and I look at where we are just right now, this community, this group, this body that's sitting here, what, there's things that I look at and I, I dream of and I I sit there at night and I say man oh, I can't wait for this and, and I believe in my heart that God's going to do this and I believe this and I, I want to be a part of this and I get excited about those things and then I see the good things that the church is doing around the world again the global church I see the good things that are happening and I see the goodness of God and, and, and how people are being loved and how the gospel's is spreading and, and I see all of that and I get so excited and I'm like God you're doing so many miraculous things and you're it, there's so much happening. How, how is it that we don't all just see that and run it and excited and how is it that we just don't act differently? Like why do we act so normal? What, what's the deal? And so as I was just thinking about that and just thinking about where we are as a church and thinking about all of those things, my mind just racing a thousand minutes or a thousand just whatever a minute, miles, seconds, moments, a minute. As I was just thinking about that, there's just things that just started to pop into my mind and I couldn't even put words to it. I was just like, okay, yeah, all right, all right. And then the idea popped into my mind of just having this conversation about the elephant in the room. We all know what elephants are, right? The phrase the elephant in the room. I don't know where it came from. I didn't even look that up. I probably should have, but I didn't because I didn't really care. So because we, we all know. We all know the phrase of the elephant in the room. We know what that means. That there's just something that none of us are gonna talk about. You know, when family comes over for holidays or they're in town just visiting, you know, there's things that we're all frustrated about, you know, with dad and what he's been doing. And dad, you're here. Don't worry, there's nothing, and so, um, and so, you know, but we just, you know, we sit there, we acknowledge it in our own hearts and our minds, and, you know, we look at our siblings, and we're like, (laughs) but then we don't talk about it, you know, and it's just there, you know, it's just like the big booger that's hanging on somebody's face as you're talking to them, and you just walk away, you know, that thing, right, be a friend and tell them, right, when somebody's got lettuce and kale just hanging out there, to be a friend and tell them, don't just, don't just ignore it, so it's that thing, it's that elephant in the room, you just, you, you, you know something to be true, but yet, you just don't really talk about it. You don't really acknowledge it. And so as I started thinking about that and just started thinking about some things, God, what in my life, what are some things that are undealt with? What are some things that, that you're trying to have a conversation with me about that I don't wanna engage in? Us as a church, what are some things that, that are present? What are some things that God wants to do in us, but we're refusing to engage in that conversation or we're, we're just ignoring it? We're just kind of staring at it instead of jumping into it. What are some of those things? As followers of Christ, just kind of thinking in a big picture, in our culture, in the way that culture is moving and, and the things that are present, there's things that we should be talking about. There's things that, that God's wanting to speak to us and there's places He's wanting us to move into, but we kind of just look at it and say, it's there nah, <laughs> what do I do with it? I'm just gonna stare at it like it's a big pink elephant in the room. And, and so I, I was thinking about this and praying about it and the team was like, yeah, we should do this, we should talk about it, and I was just like, great, and then I'm like, but what do I, how do I do this? How do I put it in? And, and so I, I just woke up and I feel like God gave me the name of the first two elephants that we're gonna talk about and the third one, I think I have an idea, we'll see who knows. But the first elephant that we're gonna talk about today, I have named him the if-only elephant. If-only. And we, if-only, that's another phrase that we, we know and we say a lot in our life. We can say a lot of if-onlys in our life in a lot of different ways that we walk through different situations and look at different things, and then there's a lot of if-onlys that we know would drastically change our realities. If only I had a million dollars, how many of you say, yes, that would change my reality, and if only that were true, yes, my Sunday afternoon would be different, (laughs) right? All right, so uh, if only, right, we could say this one to different people, and we really know what we mean when we say this. If only I knew you were coming into town, we could have had dinner, (laughs) right? Yeah, if only I would have known, but now you're gone and there's no chance of having dinner, so then I will say, I wish we would have had dinner. (laughs) If only I could get a better job. If only he knew how much that frustrated me. (laughs) If only she knew how much that drove me crazy. If only he knew, and you can go on and on, and you can fill in that blank all day long. Right, ladies? All right, how about this one? I read this one, I thought this one was so funny. I was dying laughing at this one. I was like, I gotta put this one in there. If only mosquitoes sucked fat instead of blood. How awesome would that be? (laughs) how awesome would that be? It'd be a whole new world, wouldn't it? Just be like, eat a donut, go outside, it'd be awesome. So, uh, If only closed minds came with closed mouths. No, oh, that's a good one right there, right? Yeah, that was good. I was like, that's awesome. But we can go on and on, you know, if I was taller, if I was older, if only, if only, if only, we could fill up our minds with these situations and these moments where we say, if only. As a church, our if-onlys are present as well, that it's not just an individual thing, but it's a community thing, that there's, there's an aspect of us as a community that we can say these if-onlys as well. We can walk through and look at things, and we can say if-only, you know, we could go back to the way things used to be. All right, that's a great phrase. It's an awesome thing. and I heard a pastor recently speak on that. And He's just like, really? You want to go back to the way things used to be? And he went on for 12 minutes about the way things used to be. and It was hysterical. I might do it one day, but I'm not going to now. But if only Congress would just find Jesus. If only, and, and we could just start figuring things out. And we got only, if only this person would just figure these things out. If only our governor would get things straight. And we got all these political ideas and political mindsets of if only, then things would be different for us or be different for the church or be different for our country. country. If only we had more money. If only we had a staff person do that. If only we had more people to come to the church. If only they would preach on this. Then finally everybody would get it. If only we had a better looking pastor. If only we had this program. If only we got along and everybody just agreed with my opinions. Right? If only... There's these if onlys, and, and we we have these conversations, and and as I say them, some of them are funny, some of them real, some of them are intentional, some of them are just ridiculous. But, but we all know that there's these things that we walk through in our lives, and we every moment that we encounter, we can look at it with with a mindset, and we can say if only, and then we just kind of just leave it there, and it's just sitting there, and it's. If we leave it there long enough, and if it's something that God's trying to speak to us, or something God's trying to reveal to us, or an opportunity that God's trying to give us, and if we just keep saying, that would be awesome if only I had this. Well, that would be great if only this were true. And and we leave it there, and it becomes this giant elephant just sitting in the room. And we just stare at it, and we just look at it. And I forgot my Bible, so i got to get my Bible real quick. But we stare at it, and we look at it. And, and we're just saying, what is this? And it just becomes this massive thing that fills the room that we're not talking about. This F only elephant, it's a huge one. The weight of what should be keeps us from taking on what can be. And the reality is, is how we finish that sentence, it does a number of things. The main thing that it does is that if only how we finish that sentence, it really reveals the healing and the deep places that God needs to touch in our life. It reveals to us our idols, it reveals to us our insecurities, it reveals to us our mistrust, it reveals to us the things that keep us still looking at an elephant instead of moving into the things of God. If only, however you finish that sentence, and a lot of us we walk through life and that if only it dominates everything that we do. And as a follower of Christ, I think it's the worst thing that we can do. And when I look at the church, and I'm not pointing the finger, I'm looking at me, and I'm saying, man, what have I been doing? I walk through, if only this would happen, if only this would take place, if only, and what I'm doing is instead of engaging and jumping into the things that God has for me, I'm sitting back, and I'm staring, and I'm waiting on what? I'm just looking. I'm just waiting. What's going to happen? Somebody else has got to do something. Something miraculous has got to happen. And God's already doing something miraculous in me. He's already done something new in me. He's already given me a new perspective, a new hope, a new strength, a new stamina. He's given me a new view on life. He's given me a new life. That is pretty miraculous. And maybe the elephant that I'm staring at is one that I'm supposed to take care of. And maybe if I stop saying, if only, and wait on something, if I stayed, well, I couldn't say, if only. God's got something planned and I want to be a part of that. If I just stepped and looked at it and engaged it differently, maybe we would do something differently. But we walk through our life and we we say, man, if only, and we just kind of leave it there. And if that's our perspective and that's our heart, if we're always waiting on somebody else to do something, if we're always waiting on some magical thing to happen, if we're always waiting for some reality to take place that could just change everything in a second, if that's what we're doing, we're, we're sitting still and we're stagnant. If we allow that to build up, it actually puts us in a dark place. There's an author, her name's Mercedes, uh, Mercedes Lackey, and she says this. She says, if only those must be the two saddest words in the world. And it reveals our brokenness if we're just constantly saying, if only this and if only that. And if you do what I've done, it's been painful, but it's been fun. If you really stop and you think about the if onlys that you have, you'll, you'll see a current thread. You'll see something that you're just like, wow, that, that thing really matters to me. Maybe it's money. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's identity. Maybe it's Maybe it's relationship. Who knows what it is for you, but you'll go through in your if-onlys. The things that keep you from engaging in the life that God has for you is something that you constantly want and that you're longing for, and you're waiting for somebody else to give it to you instead of saying, God's already given to me. I'm new. Everything is fulfilled in Christ. And so today we're going to go through and we're going to look at this in John chapter 4. If you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. John chapter 4, if you do not have your Bibles... You can open up your glowing Bibles on your phone or your devices, or you can look it up on the glowing wall. John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verses 1 through 42. Just kidding, I'm not going to read all that. John chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. I love this in the uh, N.E.T. translation. It says, "Jesus knew that he was winning." <laughs> That's awesome. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned. The Galilee. Now this is an incredible part because this is, this is Jesus. He's beginning to, to move into the ministry that, that God has given him. And he's beginning to display uh, who he is and, and display his knowledge and his wisdom. And, and he's beginning just to really step onto the scene. And, and the Pharisees, they're all kind of just like, who is this guy? And, and John's disciples are like, wait a minute, he's taking some of our people. And the crowds are going to him instead of John. What's the deal here? And there's a lot of people that just suspect of Jesus. They're just kind of like, who is this dude? what's going on here a lot of big things are happening is he crazy is he for real I just, I, what is going on and so Jesus is in this situation and I love how Jesus is so aware of the climate he's so aware of the environment that he goes through and he's just like I'm going to let you see me I'm going to let you begin to acknowledge me I'm going to push a little bit so that you be, begin to get to a place where you have to respond to me but at the same time he is loving he's gracious and he says okay I'm going I'm, I'm to kind of do something that I know that I need to do And so he begins to kind of move on, and he goes to Galilee. And he had to go through, verse 4, he had to go through Samaria on the way. One of the things I love about this, uh, these 10 verses, I'm going to stop and just kind of share a couple thoughts as I go through. So if this bothers you, get over it. Uh, Verse 4, he had to go through Samaria on the way. Uh, This is an incredible verse as well, because for Jews, especially the elite Jews that thought themselves to be uh, ones that everyone else should follow, that thought themselves to be teachers, thought themselves to be masters, um, they would actually intentionally go out of their way to not go through Samaria because Samaria was so disliked, the Samaritans were so looked down upon, and we'll talk about that here in a few minutes, but they would intentionally do what they could, and and, and sometimes it's taught that all Jews did this, but it's more than likely just your your super higher echelon of Jews, your, your, your teachers, your Pharisees, those people that they would intentionally not go through Samaria. So if you're trying to get to Galilee, you know, A to B, it's the straightest, you know, the quickest way is a straight line. Well, it's through Samaria, but they would do this instead just so that they didn't have to go through there because they believed that sin was contagious, that if you were just touched or in the presence of somebody that was sinful, that it would be passed on to you. And so Jesus himself, as he's going to Galilee, just talking to the Pharisees, and he's like, hey, I'm winning. <laughs> I see that, but I'm, I'm going to push. I want you to recognize, and it's kind of whatever else. I also want you to know that things are different now, and God's starting to do something different, and the places that you would avoid are the places that I'm going to go to. And he starts to go through Samaria. Verse 5. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there in Jesus' Tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. It's encouraging to see that even Jesus gets tired sometimes, right? That it's okay when you feel tired, that you take a break and you just rest. Nothing wrong with that. Verse 8. He was alone. Oh, sorry, verse 7. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? So you have Jesus in this situation. He's walking through a place that most people that are Jews, and if he's trying to raise up to be a a, a leading teacher to the Jews, he's going to a place that everybody else will avoid. And so then he gets there, and he goes to this well that's prominent. It's well-known. It's it's a place of of identity. It's a place that people recognize. And he gets to this well, and and as he gets there, he's tired, and he sits down to rest, and he looks to a woman, a Samaritan woman, and says, give me a drink. Now this is a huge deal because at that time if you were in Samaria you walk through as a Jew like you own the place and the Samaritans are supposed to go hi how are you doing I'm going to stop and I'm going to bow to you and if you did it then there was issue there was there was there was problems that were present, especially if you were a female and you were in the presence of a Jewish man. It should be completely separated. It should be completely different. And so Jesus is now at the well with a woman and, and, and she's a Samaritan and he's talking to her. And in their culture, not only were Samaritans bad, but women did not have a place to be able to speak to men. Thank God we've moved on. But, you know, so this was a big deal that now he's sitting there talking to a Samaritan that who happens to be a woman and he's alone with her and he's talking to her and all of this is taking place because the disciples are gone they went into town there's a bunch of young teenagers early 20 something's going to get food and they're like woo Jimmy John's we got the church card we're going they're all excited they're happy and Jesus is there and he's talking and he's saying hey listen I need a drink of water and she is just mind blown just like dude there is a giant elephant sitting here. This is not supposed to be happening. What is taking place? You're doing something that nobody does. And so she's sitting there just like, what is happening? And Jesus begins to invade her world and begin to talk to her. And as we look at these slides, the first thing I want us to, or these scriptures, the first thing I want us to see, and first if only that I want to turn around a little bit. I want to rephrase that if-only statement for us today. If only we could see that our misunderstandings can be an opportunity for a revelation. See, a lot of times we can get through, we can look in our lives, and as we walk through, we, we see where we are, and we see things that are going on, and we see things a certain way, and we can, we can really lock those in as this is a fact, this is a reality, it is unchangeable. And sometimes What we believe to be absolute, what we believe to be true, is actually a misunderstanding of something. Sometimes the things that we're avoiding, we're avoiding them because we think we should or because we think that that's the right thing to do. But maybe God's saying, look at something differently. Maybe you're misunderstanding the situation. Maybe God wants you to do something new. Maybe he wants you to do something that nobody else has done before. Maybe God has something bigger he's concerned about than a rule or tradition or a mindset. Maybe God is saying, step in to the space speak to that elephant and do what I've given you an opportunity to do and you look at it and you say man I've misunderstood that so let me look at the situation and maybe it could be an opportunity for God to reveal who he is and what he wants to do in my life. John chapter 4 verse 11 through 12. Are you guys still with me this morning? You awake? You good? You ready? Okay good. Some of you look a little bored it's bother me. John chapter 4 verse 11. But sir You don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoy? She's looking at the situation and she's saying, this is a well and it's a super deep well and it's a super old well. And you don't have a bucket and you're talking to me. This is weird. doesn't make any sense here. Like, what do you think you're doing and who do you think you are? Have you ever thought that of anybody before, right? I mean, she's just like, what in the world? is This dude is Fruit Loops Loony. Like, what is happening here? I don't understand what's taking place. Thank you, Braden. You need to be in here every week. So like, she's sitting there and she's like, what is taking place? See, because when Jesus is speaking to her, he says, listen, I need a cup of water. And he's talking to her and she's like, listen, um, I don't understand what you're talking about here. You don't have a bucket. Um, this thing's pretty deep. There's no way that you're going to get it. Um, you know, I, I don't understand what's happening here. Um, I, you shouldn't be talking to me. We shouldn't be in God, engaged in this conversation. And in verse 10, I never read verse 10. That's why things aren't making sense. Verse 10, let me read this real quick. Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift that God has for you, And who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. See, Jesus says, I need a cup of water. And she's sitting there looking at the situation, and she's like, What the heck is going on here? You're saying you want water and you don't have anything to bring water and you're saying living water and in their minds and in their time in their culture when you say living water it's a fresh spring that's accessible that you're able to get constantly clean flowing water it's there it's a source that's continually just there and she's looking at it and she's like um this thing's really deep and if you got a good bucket and a good rope you're just going to get what's on top and it's open well so everything that's in the air As we're talking, our spit bubbles are falling into it. Like, that's what you're getting. That's not very living water. That's kind of just like, I need to live today, so I'm going to drink a cup. Like, that's what that water is. And you're saying you want this deep, living water, this fresh spring, this clean water. What are you talking about? She's misunderstanding the situation. She's looking at things from one vantage point, and Jesus begins to engage her life and help her to see that she needs to be looking at things differently. Our lives, we can go through, and we find ourselves in this situation, and our if-onlys in this moment are, if only that prayer would have been answered. Our if-onlys are, if if only God would have come through on that for me. If only i could make sense of why god let that happen that can be our misunderstandings that we look at situations and we're like um i'm sitting here and this is what i need this is what the reality is this is what i'm seeing and you're asking what and we begin to have that conversation with god and you sit here on a sunday and you you hear god speak through something you're just like you want what you're gonna do what like i are are you crazy and if you've never felt that of God, it's okay, right? <laughs> you just need, there needs to be moments where you, speak, where you feel like God's speaking to you and challenging you, and you're just like, uh, that's crazy. I, I don't know about that. I'm a little worried about that. I'm a little apprehensive about that. But you don't need to stay there. See, our if-onlys can be something that when we look at it, we're going to say, I, this is what I'm looking at. This is what I'm seeing. But it's a misunderstanding of the situation. And Jesus wants to take us deeper into that and say, listen, I want to reveal something about who I am, and I want to reveal something about what I've got planned to do, and I want to reveal something that I'm going to do through you. Will you just listen for a moment? Will you just trust me for a moment? Will you engage in a conversation instead of looking at things and because of your misunderstandings, refusing to jump into the conversation that I have? So in this moment, in this situation, we can see real quickly that when we look at Jesus with suspect, we misplace our identity. See, in this moment, she's sitting there in verse 12, and she's saying, hey, um, who do you think you are? Don't you know who I am? Like, Jacob gave us this well. Like, I know this well. I know how this thing works. I know what's taking. Have you ever been there in a place where you're saying, I know how this works? If only you understood If only you could understand, if only you could walk a day in my shoes, if only, and we have this mind, if you just understood, if you just understood what was going on, we begin to understand things differently, and we begin to get caught up in our world and our minds. And when Jesus speaks to us something that's different, and we don't understand what he's trying to communicate to us, we don't understand what he's taking us through, we begin to become suspect of him because our identity is placed in what we know instead of who he is and what he's calling us to do. And we begin to lose hope because we anticipate the negative. In this part of the conversation that they're having, the original Greek, there's a phrase at the beginning of her question. And whenever that that phrase is at the beginning of that question in Greek, it means that it's a a question that she's just asking and and she already knows the answer to. And she knows that it's going to be a negative answer. So it's a rhetorical question, and she knows that it's going to be negative. And so she's like, hey, you want to get water out of this well? Like, who do you think you are? You don't have a cup. You don't have any of this stuff. Who do you think you are? You think you're better than Jacob? And she's expecting Jesus to say, (laughs) you're right, that's crazy. Sorry, I have no clue what I'm talking about. She's expecting Jesus to say and to confirm what she believes to be true and what she knows She's looking to Jesus to affirm her negative. If only she's looking to Jesus to say, "This is what I believe, and this is what I'm holding to." If you only knew. And we want Jesus sometime to step into that world, and we want Him to walk and just be like, "Hey, you know what? If you just knew." And Jesus is saying, "I know what you're going through. I know what you're feeling. I know what you're carrying. I know exactly what I'm talking about. I want to go a little deeper with you. I want you to understand that right now, your hope is lost. Your mindset is lost. Your in a different place because you're anticipating the negative negative. and when I talk to Christians unfortunately when I look at my life and the conversations that I have it's oftentimes it's in anticipation of the negative that if only and we just begin to fill it in and we have a negative an- anticipation we have a negative expectation instead of saying we're going to go here because God wants us to and we know that we're going to see victory. And we know that we're going to see success. And we know that we're going to see God do miraculous things. Instead of that, we walk into it and say, I hope they receive us well. I hope they're willing to hear what I say. It's a rhetorical comment. It's this anticipation that something bad's going to happen. And when we're in this place, we begin to lose hope. If we're going to see the opportunity for revelation, we have to be open to the fact that we don't fully understand everything. We've got to be open to the fact that we don't fully understand everything. So when you're in a situation and you're in a a, a a place where you're just like, I don't understand what's going on, it's not a place to begin just to throw up your hands and walk away and to say, I just don't understand so I don't care anymore. It's not a place to dig in deeper and say, I'm going to dig deeper into this well and try to figure out and I'm going to try to understand this more. It's okay to say, I don't understand why I'm feeling what I'm feeling. It's okay to understand why I don't know what I don't know. It's okay to, un- to, to not understand why you're dealing with what you're having to deal with, it's okay. It doesn't mean anything on you, and it doesn't mean anything on God. And if you're willing to be okay with it, and you say, I'm looking at the situation for wrong, and I'm going to trust who God is, and I'm going to trust that he's good, and all that he does is good and just, and I'm going to trust that he's working things out for my good, and I'm going to trust that he's made me new, and all things are new, and all situations are new, then I'm going to do what we just sang this morning, I'm going to stand on that promise, and I, instead of looking at it and say, I don't understand, I'm going to look at it and say, I do understand those things. And when we stand there in that moment, we stand there in place, then we open ourselves up to a revelation. We open ourselves up to to a deeper understanding of what God's wanting to do in us and through us. But instead, if we anticipate the negative, if we misunderstand our situation, if we look at what we know, then we we dig ourselves deeper and we ignore the elephant that's standing in the room. If only we could be honest about our motivations. If only we could be honest about our motivations. See, what I love about Jesus and I love about the story is, is, is he's talking to her that he's not just saying, hey, listen, that's great and I see what's going on. I want you to understand something and I want you to be able to be at a place and say, okay, oh, I get it, right? There's a lot that she did and there's a lot as we go into the story that you look at and I don't think she fully understand all that she was doing, but she knew something deep on the inside of her because Jesus revealed to her what her true motivations were. Verses 14, or verses 13 through 15, he says, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I'll give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. In verse 15, she says, please, sir, give me this water then I will never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. Again, she's thinking differently. Again, she's kind of still misunderstanding the situation. Jesus is saying to her, listen, if you drink the water that I have, you're never going to be thirsty again. And again, she's thinking this fresh bubbling brook and she's thinking these things. And and when Jesus here, when he says, uh, your your translation can say different ways, it becomes a fresh bubbling spring. What what he's really saying there, what's really taking place, that, that word that he's talking about, it's never, other than this place, attributed to water. It's always attributed to living beings. And it's attributed to them in the sense of springing, leaping, becoming new. In the Old Testament, we can see this phrase, we can see this idea being used in Judges chapter 14 verses 6 and 9. It says, At that moment the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon them, and he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. He did it as easily as if it were a young goat. I don't know how gripping a goat's jaw off is easier than a lion's, but okay. But he didn't tell his father or mother about it. (laughs) I love that. He didn't tell his father or his mother about it. He scooped some of the honey into his hands and ate it along the way. He also gave something to his father and mother and they ate it, but he didn't tell them he had taken the honey from the carcass of the lion. That verse has nothing to do with my sermon. I just think it's awesome that Samson is just going through. And it's like, that's why I love teenagers. Like, you know, they just, God just, his spirit leaped on him. His spirit came on him and he became new. He was different. His strength was different. It was not of him. He experienced this miraculous thing. He ripped a lion's head apart. He doesn't even tell his parents, but he giggles on the inside. When he reaches inside, he scoops a little honey out and then gives it to his dad. <laughs> dad, you're eating honey out of a lion. <laughs> right? I mean, that's just so funny. First Samuel chapter 10, verse 6. He's talking to Saul and says, At the same time, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with him. You will be changed into a different person. See, Jesus is speaking to her and he's saying, listen, when you get this living water, when you get this this idea of what I'm talking about and you really understand what the purpose of life is, and you really understand what you really need, when you get that, you're going to be new. There's everything about you is going to change. Everything inside of you is going to change. It's going to be completely different. You're gonna go from being an odd, awkward teenage boy who's just out in a field contemplating ripping a goat apart and then you're gonna be able to rip lines apart. You're gonna be walking through life and you're gonna have the spirit of God come upon you and you're gonna be totally changed. You're gonna be totally different. You are gonna be able to do powerful things. You are gonna be able to speak for God. You're gonna speak into situations in people's lives and show them the glory and the hope of Jesus Christ. You are gonna be new. You're gonna be different. You're gonna be able to do this when you get inside of you what I'm talking about. Everything's gonna be different. And she's sitting there and she's like, Oh, man, he's talking about something powerful. He's talking about something I don't know if I've ever heard. I want that. I want that. And sometimes what happens is is we move our conversation to a place where we say, I just want the new thing. I'm I'm here right now, and I'm not happy about this. And and I'm going through this right now, and I'm not happy about it. And so I want something new. I, I want that new thing. Man, this water, this water kind of stinks. I don't kind of. like I want that water. That water sounds awesome. I want that, and we just kind of rush to it, and we don't think about the responsibility. We don't think about what 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 the effects of it. We don't think about the outcomes of what that what the discovering that new thing is. You're driving around in your eight year old car, and you like, know, kind of smells funny. It's kind of awkward. I don't like people riding in it. Bumper's kind of half hanging off, and so you go, and you're like, I want a new car. It's got all kinds of new responsibilities. It's got all kinds of new re- things that you've got to do. But we jump into it. We're like new. And we're happy, and then the first payment comes, and we're like, what did I I do and sometimes we jump us we just want the new thing it sounds exciting it feels good and we're just like I want new and what we're really doing is is we're not engaging in the conversation we're just allowing ourselves to be distracted from the things that we should be ta- talking about the inside of us there's something that's moving us and, and something stirring inside of us and we say ha, there's something going on and it's like I, I want new but God's saying hey listen I want to speak to you I want to speak to you about why you want new. I want to speak to you about what's going on inside of you. I want to speak to you. I want to speak where you're at. I want to dial in on something because there's something that you need right now and it's completely different than what you think it is. See, this woman, she's sitting here at the well and it's noon. You didn't go to the well at noon because it was hot. It was unbearable. It wasn't customary. She's at the well at noon because her self-identity, the way she saw herself, her reality, her situation was one that made her want to avoid the conversations. It was one that made her want to avoid the people. She's standing there at the well, and Jesus says to her, hey, listen, you need to bring your husband, or you need to bring, well, he doesn't say husband, he's very indirect about it, because Jesus is just awesome and smart like that, and so he's just like, hey. And so she's like, I, I don't have a husband. I don't have a man. And he's just like, hey, you're right. Because the way she said it was real crafty, you know. She kind of wanted to continue to avoid things. She's like, hey, I, I don't have that. And Jesus is like, you're right. You have five husbands. And the man you're with now is not even your husband. And so we look at that and we're just like, yeah, I mean, she, this woman, she's just kind of crazy. She's kind of just doing her own thing, you know. She's just like, Woohoo, life, right? In their culture... Women were not allowed to choose to divorce their husbands. This woman standing here, she's been rejected five times. I'm sure she's got part playing it, and who knows what all took place. But even if it was all her fault, five times that she's had men completely reject her. This is a culture in which she has a woman. You can't speak, you can't provide for yourself, you can't do these things, you can't protect yourself. You you have to have a man to do these things. And it's so ingrained and it's so beat down. And on top of it, she's a Samaritan. So her interactions with Jews, she already thinks so low of herself. She already thinks that she has nothing, that she is nothing. And then she's rejected by men five times, and now she's with another man that's not her husband, who may be a husband to somebody else, and now she could be doing to someone else what's been done to her. She's in a messed up, jacked up place. She doesn't want to be anywhere near people. She doesn't want to be seen by people. She doesn't want to be acknowledged by people. She's standing there, and she looks at herself, and she sees who she is, and she sees what she's going through, and she looks at this, and she says, listen, this is who I am. This is my reality. If you only knew who who I was, if you only knew what I'm going through, if you only knew who you were talking to right now, if you only knew what I really need. I need somebody to love me, and I need somebody that can protect for me, and I need somebody that can provide for me. I really need this. And you're talking about this continual source of life. You're talking about this continual source of renewed water. This changes everything. I need something good. I need something like this. And Jesus, listen, let's go a little deeper. Let's go a little further. Don't just be distracted. Don't be distracted by saying, I need something to replace what I'm currently in. Don't be distracted and have a conversation about needing a new man. Don't be distracted by those things. You need to look at things completely differently. That if only that we have, and we can find ourselves in these situations, if only this would have not happened. She, she's been divorced. She's in despair, and we can relate to that. That there's moments where we say, "Only if only that situation would have been. If I only wouldn't have made that decision. If only this would have not happened, then my future could be different now. My reality right now could be different. But that happened, and I'm sitting here right now, and I'm suffering through it. If only things were different. If only I could find the rights and fill in the blank." Of what we try to find that could just fix, that could bring peace, that could bring relief, that could just something. What is, if only, that new thing? Oh, that sounds good, I want that. Jesus is going a little bit deeper with us this morning. Because if we remain stuck in our mess, what we end up doing is covering up our brokenness. Jesus doesn't want to just come in and say, here's a band aid. Jesus wants to come in and make you new. Jesus wants to come in and say, here's a whole new way to live. Here's a whole new way to breathe. Here's a whole new way to believe. Here's a whole new way to have faith. Here's a whole new way to look at that situation. God wants to come in and change things. But as long as we're stuck in our mess, as long as we're there, we're just going to be covering up our brokenness. And we can miss what is in front of us just by changing the subject. God's saying you need to deal with this, you need to go through this, you need to address this, you need to start doing this. And we say, if only, if only I could. I've tried before. I failed. If only you know. If only things were different. And we ignore the subject, and we cover it up, and we distract ourselves with different things. I see people moving from church to church to church because they refuse to engage in a conversation. And they think it's a conversation they need to have with the pastor. They need the conversation they need to have with the board. But it's really it's a conversation needs to have, Jesus needs to have with them. And he needs to say, listen, this is what's in your heart. This is what's distracting you. This is what's pulling your attention away from who's standing right in front of you. Giving you and offering everything that you need. So lastly, we see this. If only we could see the possibility of the unthinkable and i love this part because now as this conversation has gotten to this place in john chapter 4 verses 27 it says then his disciples came back and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman but none of them had the nerve to ask what do you want with her why are you talking to her is this is a woman who god Jesus is ministering to. He's like, Jesus. They're like, hey, I've bought in on your thing, and I'm going to follow you. I'm going to leave my job. I'm going to leave all this different stuff. I'm going to walk away from my family. Like, hey, I've bought into your thing. And they're out getting lunch, and they come back, and they see Jesus talking to this woman, and they're just like, whoa, dude. You're talking to her? A woman? A woman? And a Samaritan woman? Like, what in the world? What are you doing? What is happening in this moment? It was unthinkable for them. It was absolutely unthinkable. And we ourselves, we get into the same place. And we find ourselves in the same situations. And we question his authority when we hold high our opinions. See, they were Jews. They've been raised, they've been trained to look down on Samaritans. And on top of that, a Samaritan woman. And so when they come into this situation, Jesus has been ministering to her. He's getting her to the place of saying, here's grace, here's mercy, here's love, here's forgiveness, here's joy. Here's everything you need. He's at that place. He's getting ready to like, here's the deal, let's pray. And his disciples walk up with this look on their face like, what? Who? are you serious and you can see and you can even imagine in that moment that she can feel the immensity of the pressure she can feel all the guilt that she's been reminded of she can feel all of those things coming back up and jesus disciples because they refused to look at it because it was so unthinkable to them it was so unimaginable that god could be intentionally doing something in that moment that God could intentionally be doing something to reveal his goodness and his grace to her and to them. It was so unthinkable. So they came in and they questioned, what are you doing? Right in front of her. She begins to run off. That's amazing because the conversation goes on we're going to get to it another day. But we look at the disciples. We need the worship team to go ahead and come up. We look at the disciples and we can see that when we hold higher opinions... We begin to question the authority that Jesus has to speak into our lives. And we do this because we look at the inconveniences of a situation. We look at the inconveniences of a person or a personality. We look at the inconveniences of all of these different things. And because they're inconvenient, it's unthinkable that God would want to work through that. Because of a frustration, because of something that we... Frustrated with because of something that we don't want to be going through. We can learn it's unthinkable that God would want to work through that It's just it's not even possible Because I know this and if only you knew what it was like and if only you understood Where I was at and what I was dealing with and our opinions become so high and they become so in this place of being a God For ourselves that nobody can change it that Jesus has no right to speak into our lives the disciples are followers I've sold out to follow you. A disciple is somebody who says, I don't have my own thoughts. I don't have my own actions. You're gonna teach me how to think. You're gonna teach me how to walk. I wanna follow you. And they walk into a moment that's so unthinkable, so unimaginable that God could actually be doing something. that they reject what they said they were gonna do. And in that moment, They put themselves on a line of, does Jesus have a right to speak into that moment? Does he have a right to speak into that situation? When we hold him in such low esteem, it's hard for us to see the intentionality of his grace. Listen, there are moments and there are things that you could be in the middle of, and God could have you there for a very specific reason. There could be somebody that God has in this church sitting next to you today, that if you were to say, if only they weren't here today, God could have you sitting next to that person because there is something that God wants to do in you. There is a character flaw. There is something that God wants to do in you. Or there's something that God has done in you that that person desperately needs. And we look at him and we say, this is unthinkable, this is unimaginable. I, I, what do you, do you know if only? And we say, Gee, I don't need to hear that right now. I don't wanna to speak to that. Or we say, no, I'm gonna let God speak. I'm, I'm gonna let him speak and I'm gonna let him say, okay, let's open up my mind, let's, let's see what could be possible here. Because God is intentional about what he's doing. He's intentional about the moments that he places us in. In Proverbs, it talks about how we have our plans, how we have our wants. But God is the one that directs our steps. You are where you are and you're going through what you're going through, by and large, because of spiritual realities, because of things that are taking place, because God has got something that he's doing in you and through you. Yes, there are bad decisions that you've made. Yes, there are bad decisions that other people have made. Yes, there are circumstances that are just present because life is what it is, and it is difficult, and it is broken. Yes, those things are all present, but can you stop for a second? Can you think for a moment and say, you know what, I am where I am. I'm going through what I'm going through. What's happened to me has happened to me, maybe, so that God can do something, so that maybe God can redeem something, so that maybe God can do something miraculous. And if you are the woman in the well, you've got sin, you've got things in your life, and you say it's unthinkable, it's unimaginable that I can know peace, that I can have a sustaining way of life, that I can have a joy that's constantly present, that I can be new, that I can be different, and that is your if onlys. If only you knew that that time's past, that time is not past. God is speaking into both of those situations and he's saying for you, hey listen, it's a new moment, it's a new day, look at who I am, look at who's standing here in front of you, be willing to admit that I want to do something where you are through what you are going through. I want to bring life into the situation and not just life that's just gonna be a band-aid, a distraction, but it's actually gonna be something that's gonna make you new. It's gonna make you a completely different person. It's gonna change what you can do in the way you think of life. Can you imagine that? Will you be open to that? Because see, listen, we think we can figure things out. And I honestly believe that God loves it when we put thought to life. God loves it when we think with our minds. But God wildly passionately loves it when we serve with all of our hearts. When we open up our hearts and we say, God, I'm not going to look at this in the way that I can understand it, but I'm going to look at it in the way that I can believe it. I'm not going to go through this and try to figure things out and get caught up in my opinions and get caught up in what I see. And I'm not going to allow my frustrations and, my dis- and all of these things to be present. I'm not going to look for distractions, but instead I'm going to say, God, what do you want to do in me? What do you wanna do through me? What are you doing in this moment? Because you never know how big the moment could be. See, to this woman at the well, she was getting water and she just bumped into a Jew. To the disciples, they were going to get lunch so they could just have fun and hang out with Jesus and rest for a little bit. And neither party was aware that in just days to come that the entire town The entire town would now say, he is Lord. And we see it and we see who he has changed us to be. This living water, it was in a whole town just in a few days because of a moment. So this morning for us as a church, I'm asking you this question. What are the if onlys that you are waiting for that are holding you back from the what can be's in your life? What are the if only's that are holding you back right now from the what can be in your life, in this church? I wanna be honest with you in a moment, for those of us that say, hey, this is my church home. And I know it's a little warm here, I know the band's playing soft and you're kinda trying to not fall asleep, I get it, but I'm almost done for us as a church, not only in our personal lives, but even as a church, as a community. Listen, God has brought us together for an intentional purpose. That each one of us has something to bring to the table for us to see and to know and to experience God's glory and His goodness in a whole new way. A whole new way. And a lot of times that we can look at things and we say, if only I had the time. If only I had the money. If only I had the skill. If only I had the time to work this out and get things found and fixed out, then I could give something to the church. Then I could be a part of that. Then I could go there, I could help out with that. If only I could take some time to adjust my schedule, then I could be a part of this. I'm, I'm I'm just being honest with you this morning, that as a church, we step into the power and the grace of God when we say what can be, when I bring what I have. And I see what it is, and I say, God speaking to me and saying, listen, right now in this moment you can change your perspective you can change your heart and you can hear what i'm really speaking to stop distracting yourself stop discouraging yourself stop beating yourself up stop walking away from the opportunities that i have right in front of you right now step into them when you step into them everything's different and everything's new you're running around telling people about what jesus is doing in your life You don't even know exactly what happened. You're running around screaming, Jesus told me everything that I did, like who would ever wanna be excited about everything that you ever done being revealed to another another person. She's ecstatic about it. Why am I ecstatic? Because I encountered Jesus, his disciples, They were willing to open their ears and they were willing to open their minds and say, Jesus wanted to do something. Then Jesus moves them into a revival. He moves them into a place where they begin to understand and see. And those very disciples are the ones that after he dies goes into the unthinkable places and does the unthinkable things, the imaginable things to spread the gospel that is still today thousands of years changing lives because they were willing to say, I can and he's calling and he wants me. What are the if-onlys that are keeping you from doing and being a part of the things that are happening in this church? It could be small. Can I be frank real quick? Set up and tear down. If only you knew my work schedule. If only you knew what I was going through. You know what? There's a bunch of people that say the if-onlys as well, but they jump into it, and God brings them grace and goodness into their life. This morning, Terrence and Kim, it's their anniversary. They were planning to go on a trip. they said if only we could go out and celebrate our marriage three years kim's like wow we made it three years and they're like oh if only but they said you know what you know what their if only became their if only became if only we were at church on sunday what could happen if we brought all of our praise and our worship to god if only if only we were present. what would be like man this worship team practice, they worked hard, they built equipment this morning because they didn't say if only we had this, they said if only we could enter into worship with all of our hearts, if only we could enter into today into God's presence and say and share all that he's done in me what would it mean for us today as a church in your life and us as a church, if we look at our if only as ways to keep us where we are, we will be distracted discouraged and covering up our brokenness and we'll never move into the goodness and the grace of God But if instead we move into a place and we say, if only Jesus, then we can walk in freedom, joy, and peace and discover a whole new way of doing life. So let's stand this morning and let's lift our voice. Let's worship and let's sing to our amazing God. So this morning, the biggest thing that just wanted to begin the conversation with on us is is that one of the things that stirred in me is, is I don't want to be a follower of Christ that's walking through life. I don't want to be a follower of Christ that's just kind of casually strolling behind Jesus. I don't want to be a part of a church that's kind of just casually attending. I don't want to say I'm a part of a faith that literally is the purpose of our existence and just talk about it or really just kind of look at it and allow it to be something in the room that we may or may not deal with. I want to be a follower of Christ that's running after Jesus, that knows I'm not marked and not defined by my successes, but I'm marked and I'm defined by the victory of Jesus Christ, that no matter what is present, I can stand strong, courageous, and bold and do whatever he's called me to do. I wanna be a part of a church that doesn't say, if only, and we leave opportunities in the distance, but we say, if only, <laughs> if only we could do all that God's called us to do. And we stop looking at things and saying, well, we can't do that, and we can't do that, but instead we say, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this, if only we had more time to do the things that he's given us to do. If we stop looking at what he has given us to do as a distraction or as an inconvenience or a frustration, but instead we step into it and say, it's an opportunity to grow me, change me, change my perspective, help me to be in relationship with somebody, discover something new. And in your situations, wherever you are in your life, you find yourself in a deep place. Instead of looking at it and say, if only this would change, look at it and say, as a follower of Christ, if only I could understand and grapple the fact that Jesus has already changed everything. And just worship him and just love him and just give it over to him and surrender all to him and see what he does with it then. God, let that be our life. Let that be our reality. That we are marked and defined by the victory of Jesus. May we no longer allow ourselves to be distracted by empty promises of new things. God, may we never let our feelings, may we never let who we believe ourselves to be, our circumstances and our situations, the things that we misunderstand, the things that baffle us, God, may we never allow them any longer to keep us. But, Father, may we instead hear you saying to us, if only you knew who was standing in front of you. And, God, we pray, Lord, that we open our eyes wide and we chase after you. In your glorious name we pray. Amen and amen. Have a good week. We'll see you back next week.